Hi guys, KO here. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila, where we are working to inspire positive, radical social evolution, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time by uniting mission-driven humans. Today's an exciting one. I'm actually doing an intro about myself. So you were going to know more about the host you were listening to, my why, my past, my present, what's coming in the future, some of my process, and a lot of it should make sense on why I say the things that I say, why I do the things that I do, and why I'm hoping to accomplish some of the things I'm going to accomplish very soon. So this is a lot about my journey and a reintroduction. I know the first episode was a long time ago. So if you've been listening and you're wondering who the heck is this girl, where'd she come from? This is the episode for you. And I hope it inspires you to reflect a little bit on your past and how you can kind of see the universe, God, Madonna, whatever you believe, how it's conspiring to put you right where you are right now and how we can get so excited for 2022 because we are ready. We're here in the now. Let's do this. There's some great things to come. Have a great day. Be sure to check us out wherever you download your podcast and the videos on YouTube. Cheers. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Hi guys, welcome to Turmeric and Tequila, where we are working to inspire positive, radical social evolution, primarily by uniting mission-driven humans. I'm excited today. We have a solo cast coming at you again. I'm going to start to incorporate a bunch of these. So it's just you and I today. And I'm going to do an introduction on myself. It's been 130 plus episodes. And so the introduction, our first cast was a long time ago. I don't know how many people go back and listen to my why or who am I, whatnot. So we're going to do an update. And it's been, uh, we're in year three. It's been a minute. So every year we change, we evolve. I'm excited where I'm at in my world, where the podcast is at. And I'm I'm here to share, you know, a little bit more about myself, uh, my personal story, my business story, and then what we're going to be doing for this year. Uh, so I'm going to be talking about the past, present, the future, how some running themes have gone through my life and what is going to be coming up here in 2022 plus. And I hope you can listen to this and then sit down and do something with yourself to kind of reintroduce yourself to your partner, your family, your business, whatever. Because I think when we sit down and reflect, we see some major running consistencies, our core values of who we are, how they continue to show up, how the past has really presented us and prepared us for right now and how much growth we've had. And I think it's so important for us to slow down and see all these major changes and evolutions that have happened. I think we get so busy, we forget to pause and it kind of looks like maybe not a lot is shifting, especially if you're stuck right now. But if you really pull back and you're like, and you look at the past and you see, and you can just really drink in how much has actually changed. It's pretty crazy. And I think for the most part, most of us will look back and be like, wow, it actually has been a lot. I really do need to give myself some grace and be excited about where things are going, appreciate what's happening right now and get pumped for how prepared we are for everything we want to do moving forward. So on that note, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to give you the quick ish for one, one on my personal background and then a little bit on my business background and what we're getting in. I haven't shared a ton on my personal. I always get um, weary about, you know, like childhood stories and stuff because not every piece of it is my story to tell. So I'm going to mainly share my version of it. And if you have siblings or what have you, you know that, you know, our versions of the truth can even be different um, than our families and our siblings. It's all our experience. So everything's filtered through my lens. So it's not that anything's not truthful, but always remember we experience different things differently. And you know, you or your brother or your mom, whatever could have a completely different version of their experience. So this is my version. I was born out here in Colorado, born and raised. I'm definitely a Colorado kid at heart. You know, I love New York. If you listen to this cast, so I think my heart somewhere, maybe in a past life, I was a New York kid, but born in Colorado. I'm the oldest of four. I have three younger brothers. So right off the bat, I was in some sort of leadership-ish role and I was exposed to everything that they did. I had two active parents. We grew up going to the lake and doing water skiing and competitive tournaments. My mom was always a rock star. She did whatever the guys did. And I was constantly told, you know, you're so lucky you get to do some of these other sports. My mom would always say all I had was swimming or cheerleading in high school. My grandma said all they had was 
cheerleading. So it was constantly this uh, narrative in my mind of how fortunate I was to do some of these things. And even when I was growing up, they didn't have some of the stuff that my brothers were doing for girls. I was, we would go to their football games and I, like when it was halftime, all the kids, other brothers and sisters would go play during halftime and I would go out there and run and play. I didn't necessarily love football, but it bothered me that it was something that I just couldn't do. So I would go play like during the halftimes and um, just jump in. That was kind of how I could like get my football experience in. Or my brothers would come and get their pads and I would put them on with them and go practice in the yard. We got into motocross. And so I, of course, did that. And oftentimes I was the only girl doing whatever it was we were doing. And you fast forward to now and you see how much that has changed. There's girls football, there's girls wrestling, there's uh, tons of girls doing motocross and all these different sports. I know we just saw Monobob in the Olympics happening for women. They add an additional event. So there's so much progression and there's also so much uh, that we needed we need to do. I think very early on, I recognized that um, lack of equality from, you know, a privileged white female perspective where I couldn't do everything my brothers could do because there just wasn't that any, there was an opportunity. Like there literally wasn't, you know, girls football or whatever. So early on, I had like this kind this fire of like, you can't tell me what to do or now you're telling me what to do. And it just bothered me. One of my favorite stories was I went to go play golf with my dad and my brothers and there was, they were explaining to me a women's tee and I, I didn't get it. I'd literally never played golf. I clearly wasn't good. And I didn't even think I need to, I knew how to hold the club, but like, Oh, you know, your brothers are going to hit from back here. You go hit from the closer one. And I was horrified. I mean, I was truly horrified. I think I was even fighting with my dad, but I'm like, I'm not hitting off the girls tee. I'm of course going to hit off the guys tee, whatever. So he's like, whatever. Like there's, you know, it's quiet. There's people waiting to play through. And I think at this point he knew how I, I was just like that kid. So he let me hit. And of course I went to go hit it. Didn't even make it from the men's tee to the women's tee. And I can't remember what we did next. I think I just continued to play, but just that in itself was so indicative of how my future and my passion and my core values was, was going to play out. So if you believe in God, universe, Madonna, I think you really are set up from the get-go to do some of the things you're going to do in your lifetime. So providing and creating opportunity, diversity and inclusion, but some sort of that little narrative inspiration, like some sort of spark was lit very early and it was, there was, there was no other way. So that's one of my favorite stories. I'm still not a great golfer, but I like that you can do golf forever and it's a sport where you can wear a fun outfit and have a drink the entire time. So we're here for golf. Um, but so moving forward, you know, so much of my narrative was, you know, keeping up with my brothers or really trying to leave because I was the oldest. I was always protective of them. Thankfully, they're all, you know, giant animals now, but I was the tallest and um, I was literally bigger than them. I think they graduated high school, like 125 pounds. So that helped my cause to hold my own. But now since then, they were kind of late bloomers. Now they're all over 200 pounds and um, can throw some serious weight around. So we keep it to vicious rhetoric for family holidays and that's about it. But major part of my story. So it was oldest of, of four and they happened to be three brothers. So again, a diversity and inclusion situation was happening very, very early. I was so fortunate. My parents, you know, whatever I wanted to do, they threw me in the mix and they stood behind, you know, any sport I wanted to play. I was the only girl playing ice hockey out evergreen with my brothers. And they got me initially uh figure skating skates. And so toe pick, I had bruised knees. They immediately got me hockey skates. So I could go play. So they're always supportive of whatever I wanted to do. Just society around us didn't necessarily have opportunities for girls quite yet. Um, in that about like middle school and then in getting into high school, I started to concentrate on certain sports. And then in my personal world, this is really when my parents, my family was starting to shift. There was a lot going on in my family. And I think we were starting to see that, you know, my parents were, were working it out and God bless any couples like before the nineties, you really see how little tools there were compared to right now to figure out communication, to figure out uh, how to make a relationship work or even personal development. And there's just so little, we've come so far with mental health and communication and love languages and so many things around relationships. It's, it's, it's amazing that we have these tools and these conversations now and more of this coming to the table. So this is really when I started to see right about middle school, how much work really went into a relationship. And I'll be the first to say, I truly think my parents, they are now divorced, um, are soulmates, soulmates and they loved each other. And I couldn't digest a lot then, but I, I always knew regardless of what was going on, they truly did love each other. So I saw that early on, but I really, my narrative in a lot of this was seeing how much work it was and how 
overwhelming it was in my experience to see like this relationship controlled so much. And I don't know why I digested that as a kiddo, but I just, it, it just seemed overwhelming to me. So my version was like, well, if it, just cause this one thing in your life isn't perfect, everything else seems to be impacted. And I, it just didn't sit well with me. So I kind of had, you know, I had boyfriends and stuff in, in middle school and it was kind of a fun thing. And then the second I got really like to, I think seventh, eighth grade, and then into high school, it was like all business for me for lacrosse. Um, it started to get a little bit rockier for my parents, but they always were great, you know, showing up for us and, you know, doing their thing. I think it was probably pretty average for the family dynamic back in the day, but we just didn't talk about stuff. Even with close friends, like you never really talked about anything. Like if it's happening in the home, you don't talk about it in public. And I think that's very much a narrative for a lot of people now, but it, I think a lot of kids are dealing with a lot at home. I know they are. So we had stuff going on and again, we kind of kept it to ourselves, but for the most part, we had you know, sports going for us. We had support from our parents and there was, there was a lot, it was hard, but it was really nothing to fully complain about. And I really had this narrative of keeping my eye on the prize. And I wanted to get out of Colorado, not in a bad way. I just wanted to move on to the next thing, get a, get a scholarship, get recruited and get onto a top 20 D1 lacrosse team. And if you know, Colorado, we are not known for lacrosse. We've definitely gotten a lot better over the years. We've had some colleges out here do extremely well, but you know, 20, 25 years ago, it was brand new. And it was really primarily these coastal sports. You saw it in like the Northeast, a little bit in California, it's grown exponentially out there, but I had to work and I didn't, you know, with, when it's not big out here, then you don't have coaches that have played for a long time. The level of talent is different. You need to do a bunch of camps traveling. So it was all business for me very, very early on. And I kind of learned the skill set to focus on a goal, believe it, and know that like, if we're going to do this, we're going to commit 100%. Um, and not look other ways. And this is why balance has come into my life later on, but I did eventually get recruited. I played for George Mason university in Fairfax, Virginia, right outside of DC. I had been recruited and uh, actually offered a scholarships. So I think I actually got into every single college except for one. I applied everywhere. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I just wanted to play, you know, top level lacrosse. And so I applied everywhere. I think I sent out literally like 15 applications didn't get into one school and everywhere else got in. And I had, like I said, scholarships. Fortunately, I really wanted to play at a super competitive team. I would, George Mason, I think was 11th at the time. So my family allowed me to turn down scholarships, believe in me enough. I don't even I think they're like, what is she doing? Like she's going to Fairfax. Have you ever even seen that on a map? Like what's going on here? Um, but I, I did, I, I walked on and it was a deep awakening. It was a, a Phenomenal experience for me to grow up really fast and realize how much better athletically um, everyone on the team was really because I just hadn't played at that level. Even traveling the camps and everything else, I hadn't complained played consistently at that level. So I walked onto the team. I think they were wondering, you know, what we got this kid from Colorado. I was sitting in my coach's office watching as much video of lacrosse as I could just to see it. I'm a very much a visual visual learner. And back then it was literally on VHS tapes. If that doesn't delete my Botox, as I even say it, um, I don't know what does, but I would sit there and just watch it. And it was like scratchy lacrosse, but I really learned quickly watching people level up and then just getting smoked at practice, you know, over and over. And our seniors were, they were leaders and they were out to let us know we were going to earn our role as freshmen. So run over. But fortunately at that point, again, I was oldest of four. I kind of didn't care. I knew where I stood in the world, like without really having done any work. I knew if I could get trained, I was good enough. I didn't question it. I just like something in my guts knew, like, if you can just get there, just get on the team, you will be okay. And I channel into that young, take no bullshit human stance to this day. Now at 41, um, for some reason, my 17 year old self got that. So I was all focused. I was all in, and I knew that I was gonna make it happen. Long story short, I did. I got a scholarship and I had the opportunity to come play out here in Colorado, play in front of my family. My grandfather had been sick. So he was out here. It was just, it was truly like one of the highlights of my life, even to this day, having everybody together. Um, my parents were actually still together at that point. And, you know, my brothers were at home. So literally everybody got to see us. We came to play DU. We beat them. We played Stanford and we beat them. We had a big dinner at my house. So it was really extraordinary to have a team from out East come out to Colorado. I get to play. I had two of the best games of my life. Um, and then getting back to uh, our normal schedule, we flew back home. We played UMBC, University of Maryland, Baltimore County, and I tore my ACL. So this was step one of truly being uh, depressed. I hadn't, you know, my whole identity is wrapped up in lacrosse. I'm coming off this high, coming from Denver. 
And then we're, we're playing a team we should beat and we needed to score. I remember the play so vividly. We needed to score and it was really not a smart move on my end, but I grabbed the ball and I just went to goal and I jumped up and it was this old school turf and I just, my knee slid and I, I felt it and I knew and I, uh, I'm crazy. So I got up and I kind of just blanked it out. And I remember I went back to the draw. And if you looked in the old video, you could see my knee was like wobbling. I'm doing video right now. You could see like my knuckles, like the joint was moving because the ACL was gone. So that was really a major growth point because I had traveled 2000 miles. I finally was on scholarship. I think I was a, a captain of the team at this point. I can't remember. It's my sophomore year. So maybe not. And all of a sudden my entire world was taken away. Everything I knew, everything I identified in, everything I cared about competing and playing the cross was now gone. And it took a couple of weeks to fully diagnose the, you know, a torn ACL. And then if you know, if you ever torn a major ligament, the whole process starts. The thing that's hard when you're in college is you're, you're working against eligibility. So you can take a red shirt, which I eventually did, but you know, really in that four years, you then you're graduating without your incoming class and you know, you're spreading out your academic schedule, or you're, you're taking on more classes. It's, it's a lot to take in, but my surgery was a little bit complicated. I went, flew home to Denver. I did it. I think I scarred down something in the surgery was bunk, uh, technically speaking. And I had to spend an entire summer rehabbing and manipulating it. And I'd got, I dropped like 15 pounds. I was interested in partying or going out. Then, you know, it's really bad if I don't want to do anything fun. Got, you know, the, the skinniest I've ever been in my life. And I was just miserable. Like I was truly miserable. I didn't know till months later, my roommate was like, I just had to get out of the room because you were just, you're miserable and their energy is terrible. And I didn't really get it. I didn't know. Cause I'm not, I wasn't, you know, a depressed person. I'd certainly overcome things in life at that point, but I hadn't really felt that my grandfather had ended up passing away and, you know, Tori ACL, like so many things came over the summer trained. I actually had to go back and get a different surgery and clean it out because and manipulate my knee so I could get that range of motion. And it was just a process. So I finally get back that this would be my third year and coming junior year. I took my sophomore year back. So I had a red shirt and slowly had to learn how to play again, you know, getting comfortable. And my physically, my body was there, but mentally I was just scared with my knee and I had to relearn, earn my role back on. And it was, it was really tough mentally to step back into this territory where I had, I, I had never been, I was, you know, I was here, I was a leader. And then all of a sudden you're not, you don't trust your body. Like you're just a different player. So any athlete that's gone through injury, uh, there's nothing like not being able to play. I mean, I, I was truly identity list when I couldn't play. So we learned a lot there about you, you're a sister, you're a leader, you care about business school does matter. <laughs> so many things were happening. So graduated college, enjoyed that. We, I mean, you know, my goal really was to win a national championship and there was so much I didn't know, but we learned so much about being a player, being a grown up, being an adult, working your way through some tough things, how to be a roommate and communication there. We still had a long way to go at this point, but really was graduating and I was excited to get back to Colorado and start a lacrosse business. I immediately learned about myself that I was an independent human and I didn't want a boss. You know, my coach was great, but I hadn't really grown up with a lot of here's what you do. Da, 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 da. Like if you gave me a workout or you, I, you know, I knew I wanted to go to college, I would do my homework. I would do my training. I didn't really have this hard structure boss situation. So that was a major awakening point in college where, you know, one time my plane was like, I'm traveling 2000 miles back to college and my whole team ran because I missed it. And I get it. Like I get, you need a accountability, whatever. And this isn't my victim speech. I just didn't, I didn't like being, you know, forced to do something when I was already doing it anyways. Like it didn't resonate in my mind that you had to be told what to do because it just wasn't my personality. So right then I learned I am cut out to be an entrepreneur and I didn't really give a crap then because I was, whatever it was, we were not having a boss. There was no other way. So kind of like how I was in high school of, you know, whatever it is, just get me on the good team. We'll figure it out. This was whatever we're going to do, start the business. We're going to figure that out. So I started Colorado rising stars lacrosse and we did everything camps, tournaments, team sales, anything to satisfy the lacrosse market and, and bring lacrosse to Colorado and further it. And it had brought so much to my life at this point. My friendships had taken me overseas. I had gone to Japan twice. It had just provided so much for my life and all the life skills 
teamwork, uh, dream work, responsibility, accountability, time management, you know, tons of stuff before I was even, you know, 20 years old. So I was passionate about not only sharing the gospel of the cross, but really providing opportunity for kids to play so they could learn some of the life skills I did instead of having, you know, their parents or their coaches or whatever, tell them just have that personal experience, because I think that's what really worked for me to, to grow, develop and mature. I saw greatly how, you know, lacrosse is very much a privileged, predominantly white sport. I mean, and this is really before I was having any sort of conscious diversity and inclusion conversations, but I, I didn't, my family certainly did well, but lacrosse is notorious for extraordinary wealth. So these, these are families and humans that are absolutely incredible human beings. There's no, there's really nobody I'd come across in the lacrosse world, even at 41 years of age that I can say was a nightmare. Um, but the really wealthy live in a different world and it's, it's just a different situation. So I had really wanted to find a way to open up the doors of lacrosse and provide the opportunity that I had for every everybody, anyone that wanted to play, we want to make it happen. So this is when I really learned how to do and navigate strategic partnerships. I didn't formally call it that. I was just reaching out to different companies in lacrosse, you know, STX, Brian, like some of the OGs, Warrior. And I would say, you know, casual letters. I think email was a thing back then. And I'd say, listen, you know, I'm from, I played in college. I'm starting, I have a company out here. We're going to be doing camps. Do you want to send some giveaways? Do you want to send some product? Do you want to send us some stickers? And then that went from, you know, apparel or yeah, apparel and products to consumer packaged goods, CPG. So Cliff Bar was one of our big sponsors and they were, they wanted to get into lacrosse because it was a community that was traditionally high income. They had money to spend on, you know, higher level food. And so it was a good fit. So they were a cash sponsor for us. We started to do creative things where we could go into field days at schools and we would provide a slightly healthier snack. Usually it was like popsicles or something. We'd bring like cliff bars or whatever, which there's still sugar there, but it was a better option. We could teach lacrosse for free. And they, um, we helped with their curriculum. So everybody kind of won and Cliff Bar notoriously couldn't get, or most companies can't get into school. So there's obviously a massive, um, responsibility and uh, checkpoint there working with kids and bringing some stuff into our youth situation. So we would always try and pick out really good, responsible, healthy companies. Again, this is 20 years ago. So some of the resources and our ability to check in was hard, but we did a really good job bringing our favorite companies to the table and it just grew from there. So it was really cool to go from kind of like, you know, camps from one week of summer to, um, you know, full-fledged tournaments and give backs. We partnered with the Breast Cancer Research Foundation. We, they sent us at one point 20,000 bracelets. We had boxes of bracelets in front of our house. I think my parents were like, what is she doing? Like, what's going on? We had thousands of water bottles at one time. I mean, it just, it was funny how like, if you, if when I started to ask and get out there, like we were really starting to receive and companies were excited to be a, a part of what we were doing. And I was just this kid in a basement, you know, trying to figure out my first company and what we're doing. But I, I knew it would, I knew it would work if we could just keep showing up and, and do that. And it did. So it just continued to grow. I, I taught, um, or coached lacrosse for 10 years at Grandview high school. I was a varsity head coach and I learned so much then working with our young people. And I wasn't that much older than them at that point, but it really lit this fire to wanting to keep being, you know, a leader and a mentor in some capacity for our younger folks, especially as girls that, you know, we're going to be going through the process I went through as a collegiate athlete. So I was intentional about, working with that, we aligned all of our lacrosse camps with Grandview. I had most of my kiddos working with me at camps that I was coaching. So I keep in touch with a lot of them to this day that ran and, and ran our camps. And it's just, they were phenomenal, extraordinary human beings, and they're still doing awesome things in this world to this day. So it's been such a uh, light of my life to see the filter that sports CrossFit and lacrosse have brought into my world. And it's this filter of really just bringing humans that are so similar to myself and they've stayed in my life for, you know, um, forever. And we've, we've, we've managed to keep in touch. So it's really been a blessing. And if you're out there doing some activity, piano, singing, theater, whatever, keep in touch with some of your humans that, um, those activities bring into your world. Cause more than likely they're the same human and they're probably doing mission driven things like you are right now. So that's been really cool. Lacrosse is, was happening. CrossFit all of a sudden happened. One of my other brothers in the military, um, because one played the cross and one was in military. And then my youngest brother played the cross military. One was like, I think you guys need to get into CrossFit. You'll love it. You know, I was out of college at this point. I was looking to do some more fitness things and went and tried it and the bug bit. So we were all in, this was 2008 by 2009. 
we were going to the games. So I was learning pull-ups. Uh, I was, if, if you're getting into CrossFit and you think it's intimidating, it is. I was coming out, you know, I was a D1 athlete and I, my first day or my first day trying pull-ups, I had five bands. So you come in to CrossFit and you're humbled, even if you're coming from a super athletic background and we just trained all the time. So by 2009, we were going to the games. I was still learning a lot of movements. This was still when it was at the farm way back in the day. So it was really cool to see how far CrossFit has come to right now. But uh, we were literally running up that hill and doing the thing. And it, it was, it was awesome. It was a really fun time. And ironically, CrossFit paralleled the lacrosse situation so much. It's primarily wealthy white people because it's expensive to get into. It's, you know, lacrosse, you got to buy a lot of stuff. CrossFit is, um, you know, it's kind of like a dirt garage or simple situation, but the memberships are higher. So it's people that are outside of college and, you know, have disposable income of a hundred plus dollars a month to spend doing training. So they were also like CrossFit though, where they didn't have a lot of strategic partnerships yet. They were just, you know, things were starting to get bigger. So they're starting to track more eyes. Money was just getting into the game, but there wasn't really infrastructure there. So I started to help my gym facilitate some of that, create sponsorships, do what I did with Colorado Rising Stars Lacrosse to now to our fitness situation. This is when Reebok was taking off. And this is how small the world is. One of the girls I played in college with, she was uh, in our travel at James Madison, uh, came out to Colorado and was working with one of our first sponsors, Harrow, and they sponsored my lacrosse company. She was then dating a guy that was leading Harrow and then he got hired to do Reebok lacrosse and Reebok was the first one to sponsor CrossFit. So when they heard I was doing CrossFit, they hired me to be one of the first affiliate relationship managers, I think it was, for Reebok CrossFit. So if you couldn't follow that, acceptable. Uh, it's, it's a lot of the same people, again, mission driven humans doing similar things or competing. And then I had this job opportunity that, you know, I, I learned how to build out community and, and build a business from, from lacrosse. So now we're applying that to CrossFit. So I helped my gym, I helped Reebok get into the Denver space. I was eventually responsible for territory in California. And I think in New York, I can't even remember, but helping gyms, you know, with their apparel, with their events, building it out, continue to help my gym do all their strategic relationships. We did in a, a, a big charity tournament. At one point we were helping some members there build it out and they've given millions away. So it's been a really cool evolutionary journey, seeing how these strategic partnerships and helping communities come together, raise money for a good cause. So much of it was philanthropic. All of my lacrosse stuff kicked back. We were basically just trying to work creative angles to build inclusivity and then give a kickback and further the sport, whatever it was. So these running themes in my world were continuing as CrossFit continue to take off. I established KO Alliance where we help companies activate in the fitness space. And a lot of it was CrossFit or high intensity training focused. And we like a company would come to us, whether it was a consumer package, good, like a protein or a supplement or a service, maybe it's, you know, uh, someone that can help you build a, a gym at your home, whatever. And we'd help them get into the market and align them with com key community influencers. This was before Instagram and social media was taking off. So we were identifying these key players and communities and then connecting them with the company. Obviously, Instagram and social media takes off. So that was a huge bonus for us. We could now, KO Alliance is being us, uh, com compete with some of these major companies that had marketing dollars and the ability to fly out or reach or reach mass market, you know, with commercials or traditional avenues. Now we could do that through social media. So it was a super exciting time to see these platforms come to rise where it, you put these smaller companies in equal space. So as KO Alliance has continued to grow, it's obviously still in business today. I'm super excited that we, we, spe we specify in mission-driven companies. Early on, you know, I wanted to work with companies that were given back. And this is before Tom's or any of the, any really big companies were making major moves to do it the right way, like Chipotle and grass-fed beef. Like they were a major game player in early on of, you know, this is costs a lot more to do it this way, but now we can talk about it and people will go out of the way to spend and, and uh, support a company that's doing it the right way. So all this conscious consumer conversation was just starting, but it was really something I had done from the get-go wanting to do partnerships with nonprofits or, you know, like let's spend $10 more per serving to get something that's cleaner or, or made in the USA or whatever. So now that it's it's come to a more um, known situation and, and it's we're more conscious consumers, we are a little bit ahead of the game because we were already doing it. So now when I say we specifically work with mission-driven companies and humans, we, we, we always have been, but now people actually understand what that is. So it's primarily companies that are doing something and alongside them doing it, they're giving back like a Tom's where, you know, you buy a pair and they give a, a pair back. That's like written in the core values of what they do. So it's been exciting to, <clears throat> excuse me, go 
and be a part of that process and see how things have grown and how uh, gone and how much consumers have evolved. Alongside that, you've seen social media evolve. And I, you know, when I was coaching, TikTok is taking, or TikTok wasn't there yet, but Instagram was taking off. And I started to see the, the impact of influence. So we were working with influencers before influencers is really known as a thing, but like key community drivers, like coaches, you show up to CrossFit and they say, what do you eat? What do you wear? What kind of shoes should I buy? And the whole class buys what they do. That was a key community influencer back in the day. Now it's Instagram humans with, you know, millions of followers. But I started to see digital apps that were changing the way people looked or, you know, all these highlight reels of people on yachts or, you know, showing this multi-million dollar lifestyle and I was managing a lot of people. And so I knew how much smoke and mirrors were happening and how much of this was not true and how truly influential it was. Like I have my young people believing that this is a thing. So I had this major breakdown breakthrough of, okay, what, what are we really doing here? And what, what is, what's going on in the, in the midst of that I had, you know, in competing for CrossFit that had taken off. I had gone to the games on the team for, I don't know, I think four or five times. Um, but I was also, training to be as an individual. And every year that I trained, something kind of went off. Like one of the years when I was super close, I think I was fifth. My jump rope broke, broke twice in a workout. Um, there was some other thing. It was just like weird stuff, like workouts that I was good at where something weird just happened. And I qualified outside of it. The year prior, I had drank some coconut juice and I actually blacked out during a workout, which had never happened before. Just like some weird stuff. And let me be very clear. This isn't like victim statement because every time I didn't qualify as an individual, we went on to the team. And one of the years we were actually second in the world. So it was like universe was looking out and don't get me wrong. My heart was broken in the midst of this. But so, you know, I'm starting a company, I'm competing as an individual, like so much is going on. And it's like all these kind of deep breakdown breakthroughs. And anyone that's ever been an entrepreneur knows that you're never not working. So while trying to compete and trying to run this business, there was very little off time and my mind was never not working. So I was really starting to like understand rest and recovery or, you know, really starting to break down to get to that point of rest and recovery. And then, um, in 2013, I think it was, I was taken off the team. So we're competing, you know, this is a focus in my life. We're at regionals. I had done a workout. I was the only person that had two workouts that day. Come the second workout, one of them was you had to complete two muscle-ups, the girls on the team. And I think the guys did too. I can't remember. The girls went first. So if the girls, if two of your girls didn't complete two muscle-ups, your team was not moving forward. So we had two girls that were phenomenal. There's three girls and three guys on the team. Um, they were phenomenal muscle-ups, but the ring height was like harder for some of our taller athletes. So long story short, I went second and I was smoked. I could barely get that second muscle up. And if you're not familiar with muscle ups, they're kind of like push ups or ring dips. Once those muscles are gone, they're really gone. So I I don't know what happened, but I got the first one. And then the second one, I just couldn't get it. And we we're running out of time. And it was truthfully one of the finest mental athletic moments of my life. Somehow I stayed in it and we were in the rings where the crowd's literally three feet from us. They're freaking out, yelling at us. I've got three guys behind me, two girls next to me waiting for me. Like whole team disqualifies if I don't get this second movement. I've done this a million times. I was just exhausted. Somehow I pulled out one more muscle up within like three seconds to go. And we moved on to the next girl, but it freaked out my coach. And we had this long conversation. I'm like, well, if I don't, you know, compete, then I, I don't, I'm like, I'm not gonna, I'm just, I'm not doing CrossFit for fun. And I think it sparred this whole conversation around ego and power. And I don't know, you know, I didn't really have a ton of skill set at that point as far as like communication. And my heart was so wrapped up in it. I have no doubt I was speaking from emotional space the entire time. Um, but I was taken off the team and they replaced me with a different athlete because of that. So that was um that was depression number two in life. And it to this day, you know, we've unpacked this a lot and it's not even victim speech because so much of that moment out experience has defined my life to this day. And it's been, I'm so thankful for it. And as much as it drug me through the mud and the things, and to this day, I would actually, I would truly call it um probably one of the biggest betrayals of my life. And in turn, one of the biggest lessons, because I will wholeheartedly stand as objective as I can be being the one in it. It was absolutely the wrong business decision. All sports aside, it was the wrong business decision. And um I think if the perspectives are switching, if you can see an athlete really hold their mental composure in a moment like that, that's hard to physically show up and get something done. But if you're truly a competitive athlete and you've been in that moment and you have to keep your mind together, or even if you're a first responder and you're in a high stress situation and you have to execute, 
it, that's a high point in your life. If you, if you can truly show up and execute, it's because every ounce of the world is putting pressure on you and you have no choice but to finish and execute. And that's really, really, really hard. So when the perspective wasn't looked at it from that standpoint, that's when I was kind of like, okay, we probably don't have the same core values. There's something missing here. And I respect any, anytime you've been a coach or a leader or whatever, you have to respect that person's decision that you think you trust that they're doing the best that they can for the team. Um, I, I hope that's what it was. And it wasn't about like an ego or something. I don't really know to this day, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, things move forward. I actually, I left that situation and ended up going back because there wasn't really a ton of opportunity to train amongst other competitive women at the time. And that in itself was a learning journey. I think universe was telling me it's time to move forward and make new decisions. But of course I have to be the most and learn things multiple times. You can reflect in your life and be like, Oh, you know, I think God universe Madonna was telling me to move forward and do something else. But I went back, I went, I stayed in the relationship or I went back to the situation or I tried one more time. And I think those lessons are okay because we really do have to learn the hard way. And that was absolutely one of the situations where it's like, I probably should have walked away a lot sooner, but I didn't. And I learned from that. And from it, you know, we, we did a charity tournament and some other really good things that I have, you know, I'm, I was so blessed to be a part of. Um, but it had absolutely run its course. So by the time I was ready to be done training and CrossFit and competing, I was really, really done. And that it's, and this is another running thing that I was like that with lacrosse. You know, I had that fifth year, I had torn my ACL, we had come over some stuff. And when I was ready to be done, I was ready to be done. So the positive side of that is I wasn't the athlete looking back being like, I have no identity. I don't know what I'm going to do, uh, which I think happens to a lot of competitive athletes because it's so much who you are. You know, I had kind of run that extra mile where it's like, we're, we're actually ready to be done. I had sought out other angles of myself at this point. And I had other identities outside of being a lacrosse player, outside of being a crossfitter. Um, so I was okay moving on. It was still hard. And I'm, you know, I'm a competitor to this day. So like that flame hasn't burned out, but it's nice to just show up to the gym and not be in a competing space and just enjoy it. And I really appreciate my situation. I get to train and see my dad every day. And, um, you know, I, I, I joke that he, I kind of got him into CrossFit and he's, you know, he was a three or four time master's champion and competed. We had a ton of awesome competing fun together and now we get a fun. And I, you know, I've kind of ready to be done. He coached over at Bladium. So he kind of kept me in it. I got him in it. He kept me in it. And it's been a really great thing to not only just train, but be around these other mission driven humans. Again, that filter of, uh, you know, fitness, bringing good people into your world. It, it's, it's really awesome. So I'm loving training now and I'm further understanding some of these themes in my world. And that's why I'm so excited about what's going on right now. Okay. Alliance had started to take off CrossFit, you know, as we were dimming down on the competing, I could focus more on the business. I could focus more on the personal development outside of being an athlete. And that's really when my business started to take off. And again, God, universe Madonna looks out. I was working primarily health and wellness and human optimization I, you know, a hard rule of thumb of mine was I had to try any sort of like food or any sort of training or any sort of service before I could endorse it or KO Alliance could take it on. So when I was doing stuff around like brain mapping or nutrition or designing blood tests for human optimization or uh, wearables, trackers, like, you know, the whoop or aura ring or some things like that. I was trying all this stuff and even mental coaching and formal sports therapy. You know, I was doing it as a professional, but on the flip side, it was helping me as a human. So I got to experience all these amazing things from core values to again, brain mapping and neurofeedback and different kinds of diets and supplements. And I got to see firsthand what I really thought worked and what was bringing me to the next level. And I could, you know, help that company create a strategic plan, find their strategic partners or their influencers and, um, people to speak on behalf of their company and progress all of it forward. So here we are in 2022. Um, you know, we saw the, the points of influencers coming through and the impact there businesses, you know, transparency with social media happening. We really were evolving as conscious consumers. And I wanted to further bring that transparency to the game. And that's when I started turmeric and tequila, the official podcast of KO Alliance, and we're here to highlight those mission-driven varsity humans that are questioning a better way, doing stuff on their own. Maybe they want to be an influencer and have a million followers. Maybe they don't. But I was fortunate to have all these people and company owners and competitors around me that, you know, they, a lot of them weren't getting a ton of a spotlight or there wasn't really a platform to share their story. I'm like, I got to drag them in and get them to come talk about it on the mic because as our conscious consumers are growing and they're coming through, we... 
I want them to be able to see these examples of humans that are doing it a different way. In addition to whatever's out there on social media, I'm not really a hater. There is a lot of fakeness happening, but if you dig in and you can find your good people, there's a lot of great happening on. So the mission with the podcast was really to not call it the bad. It was really to highlight the good and provide these examples of people doing things a different way. So, you know, our kiddos, like how I was a kiddo and I was doing stuff. I was thought, you know, I'm the only girl doing this. I'm the weirdo, but really there was a lot of that going on. We just didn't see it. I just didn't know what was going on. And we know at this point how important representation was and having some of these difficult conversations, diversity and inclusion and race and socioeconomic status. And, um, how you identify uh, in your sexuality or whatever. Um, we wanted to just further that. And I didn't know how I was going to grow. I didn't know how I was going to go, but here we are on episode. I think this is 131, you know, talking about it and um, just doing the damn thing. So it's been such an evolutionary process of things kind of rolling from one to the other. And I hope my young people out there that, you know, you're not sure what you want to do. You're not sure what you, where you want to go just follow what brings you joy. I know that's cliche and trust it. Like the path will reveal itself, reveal itself. Everything I've done to this point wasn't really a thing when I was younger. There was no podcasting when I was in high school. There was no social media. There was no conversation, at least for me around strategic partnerships and consulting firms. Like none of this was a thing yet. So I just kind of kept showing up and doing what I loved and it somehow universe and the path kept providing an opportunity and a pathway. So what you may be doing down the road from now may not even be a thing yet. So just keep chasing what you enjoy and what you love. Obviously in between you have to pay bills. I was a pool waitress at one point. I worked tons of retail. I did tons of stuff to, to make it work. And Oh, through all those things, leadership, management, all the skills I needed for right now were happening. And even though I wasn't creating this formal path to set myself up for success now, it was happening. So again, whatever you believe, larger order was kind of setting it out. I just had to keep my shit together, which wasn't easy at times and keep coming together. And it's still forming. I don't even know what the next year I'm intentional. I have a plan. I have ideas. I have visions, but who knows what's really next. I just know that I'm loving what I get to do now. I'm so thankful for all the times I was truly drugged through the mud, any depressive states, anything where I just got kicked in the, you know what? And I had to get up and be like, F like what, what are we going to do? Like, I don't even know what's next, but I just have to put on my shoes and go for a jog or create a plan or try something or whatever. And somehow something came through. So really let go if you can of what you think your plans are. I know there's a saying, if you want to make God laugh, show him your plans. Um, you have to be intentional about your pursuits and know what you want to do, but letting go of what you're going to do at 25, at 35, at 45, let it go. I mean, there's so many angles in my life. Um, you know, my parents divorce or me then it's being inspired to learn about relationship skills. And, uh, it's how much my, my life has been an irony and a juxtaposition like turmeric and tequila. You know, I didn't spend a lot of time and energy in personal relationships. And I, when I reflect on that, it's not because I had issues around relationships, which I mean, there's definitely some stuff there to, to unpack and stuff I'll probably will continue to unpack, but you know, my early narrative of seeing how much that relationship, how much work it was, wasn't that I was afraid of it or I didn't like it, or, you know, I had some hate towards men or anything like that. It was, I, I knew if I was doing lacrosse or I was doing my business, I didn't have the time and energy to put in it from what I saw. And if I wasn't getting hundred percent from somebody, I'm not going to give hundred percent. If I'm not giving hundred percent, I can't expect hundred percent from them. So it's kind of like, it just got shoved off All, alongside that. You know, my heart bled into lacrosse, it bled into CrossFit and with it, the, all the ups and downs there, I don't know that I could even have handled, um, any more relationships than I had because I was busy making and breaking my own heart through competing. And uh, I think athletes can relate to it. Like there was no real space for anything else. So as I have unpacked that, we're creating space now for personal relationships. Ironically, my business was all relationships, strategic partnerships, facilitating long-term mutually beneficial relationships um, for companies and for individuals is what I do. That's what KO Alliance is. We help merge the right people together so they can further the gospel um, of their mission, whether it's a company getting into act or into a fitness space, or it's an individual trying to align with different sponsors and partners. We help align that. So it's ironic that it didn't show up in some of these traditional ways, but my love for sport, my love for people and relationships was just, and competing was just showing up in, in different ways. So as I've gotten older, I've learned to unpack that. So if you're sitting here listening and you're like, well, God, I don't really fit in a mold or I'm the one that's not doing this. You might actually fit in traditional mode, mold. It just, 
isn't the way it's not showing up traditionally. Like my love for relationships and commitment wasn't showing up through a personal relationship, you know, with a guy and we're getting married and all this. It was through my sport. It was through my business and it, it was there all along. So I actually did have more skill set, I think in relationships than I had really understood or thought because it was just showing up in different arenas. So I hope that makes sense. And if you think you're lacking an area, really pull back and see if it's actually showing up just in different ways. So here we are in 2022. We've got the podcast. We've got the business. I'm so excited for what's coming out. And the whole reason I'm telling you this long-winded diatribe about myself is because I'm continuing to level up and lean into personal responsibility. Coming off 2020 and the pandemic and all these really difficult situations, obviously we're so far behind in diversity and inclusion and all these heavier conversations that need to happen now. My big takeaway was personal responsibility and leading by example. I'm I've always kind of been in that leadership role from birth. I didn't really have a choice. And then, you know, being the captain of every team I've ever played on, it's certainly not a, a, an uh, opportunity of control or wanting to um, tell people what to do. Cause that's actually not even my leadership style. It's me being personal responsibility. I will, I'll carry the weight. I'll take the shot. I'll, uh, you know, I will be the one that potentially fails um, because for some reason that's just a comfortable space for me. I I don't know, again, because of early time or someone could unpack it in more depth, but I think it's just something I've always done a lot because I was the oldest of four um, and then that role carried on. So in this year, we are continuing with coaching. We have a business coach, shout out to my longtime amazing friend, Jessica Crow. We're working with her professionally. It's been about eight months now and the business is doing a 180. It's been amazing. We're sharing more of the personal and the successes. I have a nutrition coach coming on. Shout out to Jackie. I've got, um, I'll say a human optimization, but like chiropractor and physical health. Shout out to Jen. And you know, a host of other things where I'm really dialing in. I just bought a food scale, which if you know me, I didn't even do that when I was going into the games because I think measuring food is just too much, too constricting for who I am. And we're we're just dialing in because like now is the time for me. If I'm going to get on the mic, I'm going to continue to lead my business. I'm going to continue to lead my people, my employees and contractors and whatever. I've got to work to get it to be my best self. Um, and through that, I'm hoping, you know, the past five years when I've really leaned into all these like human optimization stuff from food and nutrition to mental health and wellness, to physical health and wellness, to how I'm running my morning routine, my day life. So everything I've done in, really in the past five years when I'm focusing on leveling up, I'm going to put it together and make it a, a course primarily around core values and how you can apply that to your family, how you can apply that to your business, how you can apply that to yourself, because that was the one through line of all the trials and tribulations thus far and the successes. When I did my core values and I understood my internal self more, everything else started to make sense. I, I could understand why I didn't love having a coach in college. And like this, this friction with having someone tell me what to do was so disruptive in my world. Top, top core value, number two, independence. Um, when fast forward and CrossFit and I felt this friction of like, things just didn't feel transparent. Things like there was just stuff that I wouldn't do that other people are doing or what, like it just didn't feel honest and transparent, top core value, honesty. Um, and you know, through all my businesses, I was doing t-shirts. I was doing, I was creating top core value creativity. Number three. So as I was learning all these things and all these experiences, it would have been extraordinarily helpful for me to understand my core values and what really made sense. So I've done a ton of work. Even how do you find your core values? What do you do? I found an awesome company that's done a host of assessments. It's my favorite one that I've done. So we're going to, we've partnered with them. So I'm going to set that up. And my goal is to make this as affordable and as accessible as possible. So you can figure out your core values. You can see what you're doing in your world. And then you can pick and choose some of these things that I've done to apply to your own life. Maybe you need a trackable, maybe you want to do supplements or whatever, but before any of that stuff, before any of the things and I've tried it and done it all. And there are some really great companies you can work with and supplements and whatever you got to do homework on everything. But before any of that, we have to get to know ourselves. And more importantly than you're competing or your way you ship on your family, how we walk through this world collectively is how we deal with the shit of 2020. How are we teaching, treating our, you know, our fellow humans? How are we, you know, challenging the conversation of diversity and inclusion? Everything starts with our personal and our internal why and how we feel about us. If you can listen to my last podcast with Karen uh, Seitz, she talks about what happiness is and it's not a feeling. It's not all these things we've seen on Disney. It's really about being 
secure and happy um, with who you are and from within. So before the family, before the supplements, before the competing, we've got to address ourselves. And I think a phenomenal step one is core values. I've spent all the time and money on everything else. So I'm here for it. Brain mapping, neurofeedback, whatever you want, holler at your girl. But this is such an easy assessment to dig in first. And when you can see how simple some of these little outlines of this assessment are, you're like, oh my God, so much makes sense. And I will say this to my kiddos going to college, my human's about to get married, my fellow entrepreneurs about to start a business, lean into your personal self and your core values before you do anything, before you can be a leader, before you can be a partner, before you can do something, you've got to be a hundred. If you want to build out a successful business or partnership or whatever, you've got to figure your own shit out. So I'm, I'm still in that process. I'm super excited to be working with all these coaches. I'm going to be as transparent as, and as vulnerable, um, in this process as I can. So I'm hoping that that will inspire other people to take this leap as well. Because I think if we're all cleaning off our own doormat, if we're all doing our own stuff, collectively, we will positively inspire society by taking care of our own shit to move in the right direction. And I I so believe it. I bleed it. Of all the expensive, intense things that I've done, I think this is a good step one of just leaning into that personal responsibility. So that is my long-winded conversation about me, my background. Perhaps uh, I think I'm going to do these one a year so you can see how much I've changed or what have you. But I want people to understand where I've come from, what I've done. This is the Cliff Note-ish version. There's a lot more we could unpack there, <laughs> especially if you're a therapist listening. Um, but that's kind of my why. And I had seen these themes of cultivating a community, finding a way to give back, and then getting my mission-driven humans to work together to move things forward. That's super ambiguous. But if you look at my past businesses, my past competing, my past relationships, it's all kind of culminated and it's been similar running themes in different ways until right now. And so we're going to continue with that theme, cultivating a community, finding a way to streamline some of these modalities to level up, share it with the world and then walk in it, lead in it. Like if I'm not doing it, I can't tell you to do it. So I'm going to continue to do trial and error and fail right in front of you and then succeed. And hopefully you can learn from some of my stuff. I would love to hear anyone that's going through it or if you have suggestions. Um, I'm here. Like this is, I, I'm as accessible as possible. And I, I love that, you know, I'm not competing on a team now, but like the world is the team and my people, the audience and everyone that rocks a TNT shirt or sends a comment, like this is the team we're as, you know, as human beings, we are a team. I know this is cliche. So don't roll your eyes or spit out your coffee or tequila you know, your girl's here for cliches, but we're in it. It's exciting. I hope people can get motivated for 2022. There's lots of garbage going on. We don't know what's going on internationally and whatever, but we can worry about what we can control. And that is ourselves. There's a plethora of tools and support and opportunity out there. So lean in, find a friend. Always remember our one binding factor is that everybody is going through something. So don't be afraid to lean in, share, question, have a conversation, you know, lean into our kiddos and, and conversations that they're having. And more than likely the answers they are within, we know them all they're here. I spent a lot of money still, you know, learning, learning to believe that. Um, but there's more transparency and there's more accessibility now more than ever. So let's level up together. I hope you are not asleep. I hope that was mildly exciting. I freeform this. I just wanted to go out there and uh, say who I am, why I'm here. I hope that you can take some time and you don't need to do a, you know, a 30 or whatever minute podcast this is, but just sit there and really think about what you've done in the past, see the running themes. And I've got the course. If you want to do the core values course, it's in, it's both on my KO Alliance site and it's on my turmeric and tequila site. And I will have the full situation out with my actual courses, not just the values assessment very soon. And I'm excited to get feedback from families and businesses and teams. I think understand our core values and how we can communicate and build this base of in this lens of how we do everything moving forward will really streamline a lot of our processes and more importantly, just understand understand ourselves a lot better. So that's all I have for you. Have an amazing day. I hope this was a value and be ready for everything that's coming out this year. I'm so excited. Uh, we are ready. So let's do this together. Have a great day. Cheers. Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time and don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.